The vast majority of absorbent hygiene products sold today are disposable. Disposable products offer convenience, cleanliness, and cost-effectiveness that other products just can't. But as we know, they can also have a negative environmental impact, since many of the materials used to produce them are plastic-based, and most can't be disposed of in an environmentally friendly way. Because of that, some consumers are pushing for more reusable options, and the industry is responding. We've seen many reusable brands grow in popularity in recent years, and some have even been purchased by larger multinational companies to add to their own portfolio of disposable products. But while reusable products use less fossil-based resources, they aren't without their own drawbacks. Many reusable products can come up short in the areas of performance, practicality, and price. So how can you offer your customers the reusable products they may be looking for and still make sure you're meeting the basic needs of those consumers? Luckily, Bostic is here to help. Welcome to Attached to Hygiene, the podcast that enables you to grow your knowledge and influence in the absorbent hygiene industry. My name is Jack Hughes, and my mission is to help you, the absorbent hygiene article producer, design and produce the best possible products to meet the needs of your customers. On today's episode, we're speaking with Frantisek Ria Scott, founder and design director at Compitex, which is an absorbent apparel company. Frantisek started designing a reusable absorbent incontinence product over 10 years ago while he was a competitive skier in order to gain an edge in endurance races. But when he began talking to others about his idea, he realized the need for these types of products extended well beyond the world of sports. So he spent the last 10 years designing and improving on Confitex's line of reusable absorbent products. So needless to say, he is well-versed in the ins and outs of the reusable absorbent hygiene product market. As with many of our previous interviews, our conversation with Frantisek will be split into two parts. In part one, he'll be introducing us to the reusable hygiene market and share some of the benefits and current shortcomings of these products. And then in part two, he'll share his ideas and solutions for solving those shortcomings of reusable absorbent products. Joining me today to discuss hybrid absorbent hygiene products is Frantisek Ria Scott. Frantisek, welcome to the show. Thank you very much for having me on your podcast. It's a great honor to be a part of it. And we're happy to have you. On all of our episodes, I like to have our guests introduce themselves and their their role, their background in the industry. So we'll start with that. So can you go ahead and introduce yourself, your role, your company, and your background in the absorbent hygiene industry? My name is Frantisek Ria Scott. I'm the founder and design director of Confitex, the tech leader in reusable absorbent hygiene products. In summary, I would say my major focus is on innovations, intellectual property, product development, and manufacturing of reusable product solutions in the personal hygiene space. But many years ago, I was a fashion designer and competitive downhill ski racer. In fact, Confitex was born out of my trying to win an endurance ski race without needing to answer the call of nature. So the idea actually came to me that if I could make high performance absorbent underwear that might give me and other elite athletes 
the extra edge in the endurance races. But when I started talking about the idea with family and friends, I became aware of the extent of bladder leakage in the general population and realized that my idea would be helpful to many more people than just athletes. As many as one in three women experience incontinence throughout her life, especially after childbirth and at menopause, many men do as well. And that's something most people don't realize. And as a side effect of prostate treatment or as a general, general effect of uh, aging. So when we conducted extensive market research, identifying all the consumer niches and all the product issues and researching and exploring possible solutions. Then I put my fashion hat on. I have a training and understanding of garment construction and textile technologies. So then we created our first innovation, which has been successfully patented in US and many other territories. And that was back in 2013. And at that time, I didn't know that global revolution was around the corner for reusable hygiene products. When we launched Confitex in 2015, people thought I was absolutely bonkers. They thought that reusable leak-proof underwear was a crazy idea they would never take off. But I think over time, our confidence uh, in this sector has been confirmed. We have seen the rise of reusable period underwear and incontinence underwear, and that was led by consumer demand for environmentally friendly alternative to single-use products that is normal-looking and practical for everyday life because most of the products available uh, on the market were very utilitarian-looking. And since then, you know, reusable period pants and bladder leakage underwear are now commonplace in supermarkets and uh, big box stores. So, and because Confitex was in it at the beginning with a commitment to make the best technology for bladder leakage, which is much harder to achieve than period products because urine is less viscous than blood, tends to be released in much larger birds than a steady flow of period, we believe we remain at the forefront of the industry. So I would say we believe we are the technology leader in this space. And because we own and operate our own factory rather than using a third party manufacturers, I have spent a lot of time on the factory floor assessing every micro task and even designing some of the machinery needed to create our unique technology. So I have really good sense of the practicalities of what can and can't be done. And this informs my approach to product development. And our major focus is on private label partnership with major global retailers, brands and distributors. And whilst we have an online store as well, but we use that uh, predominantly for market research that and gain consumer insights that drive our product development. That's quite the story. <laughs> I had no idea that your background was in endurance racing, endurance skiing, and kind of reminded me of like NASA, where a lot of stuff that's commonplace now got its start in the race to get to space. And your story is making, you know, hybrid absorbent hygiene products to win a ski race and then realizing that there were obviously much larger benefits to that down the line. And so I think that's that's such a crazy story. And I hadn't realized that. So that's that's awesome. And yeah, I think, as you said, kind of being on the cutting edge or, or the early edge of this uh, kind of green revolution that we're going through gives you a bit of a leg up. But it's, um, you know, obviously, yeah, I imagine 
kind of the sideways looks or as you said, the people thinking you were bonkers, it's got to feel pretty good to, to kind of get to this point, you know, seven years later, you know, 10 years later and and realize that, hey, you know, you weren't so bonkers and, and there are other other brands, and other companies out there investing a lot of money in, in technologies like yours. Yeah, absolutely. It's it, it's fascinating. You know, like when it all started, you know, obviously you're standing on the top of the ski slope waiting for your race and there's another 70 athletes in front of you and, and you just there are no bathrooms anywhere around. Like, uh, uh, yeah, you can ski down, <laughs> go to the bathroom in the uh, in the common areas, and but then you have to take the lift, and you might lose your spot in the race. But it's also like when you watch videos like of marathon runners, they have to run for forty kilometers. They can't stop. If they do, they will lose their time. They will lose their race. So many of them, you can see like uh, some of the videos you can you can actually watch on YouTube. Are quite fascinating, you know. Them just. They just have to let go. That's how it all started. We started to create underwear that was developed for athletes so that it would wick the moisture away and keep them as dry as possible so that they wouldn't chafe during such a long races. Yeah, it makes sense. Makes sense. And yeah, I've seen some of those videos of the marathon runners and you know, it, you kind of got to do what you got to do. But if there's technology out there that can help and, uh, you know, probably help you continue to perform, but not have some embarrassing situations or at least awkward situations. And I'm sure athletes out there will appreciate that. And as you said, there are benefits well beyond that to people just trying to live their everyday life. So it's a huge growing market and we know why. And as you said, with, you know, one in three women and, and a significant amount of men dealing with some sort of incontinence, a lot of people are going to be impacted by incontinence. And so having product options out there that are not only functional, but you know, what people are looking for sustainable is, is something that people, that people want. And it, it's going to be uh, huge for, for people dealing with incontinence. Now I ask all our guests this, and since you've been in the industry, you know, going on 10 years now, curious what you like most about working in, in the hygiene industry. I guess the hygiene industry is incredibly complex, unbelievably so. And I love the challenge of creating new sustainable solution that could potentially revolutionize the industry and reduce the environmental crisis that is challenging the future viability of uh, single-use products. As single-use hygiene products currently make up about 10% of the waste in our landfills, imagine if we could use current single-use products twice. That would halve the, the waste and this would be an enormous environmental revolution. So I, I love the fact that we're creating the solutions that could solve a lot of the environmental questions, but I also enjoy solving the challenges of the hygiene industry economics. That's where the challenge uh, comes, you know, like driven by the combination of regulatory changes, retailer and consumer demand, the industry is currently at the race to find more sustainable uh, solutions than the current products. But when I say sustainable, I mean both environmentally and economically. We need to create products that are better for the environment, but they also need to be affordable to produce so they provide reasonable margins to support a sustainable business model. So because it's all very good to create a reusable product, and we have seen many of those, but in order to be attractive to the consumer, it has to perform at least as well as current single-use products and be affordable at the same time. And that is a huge challenge. So to be attractive to the industry, it must deliver margins for the entire supply chain. They are at least equal or better 
than single-use products for the industry to actually willing to change. So I think, you know, what has been holding the reusable industry back until now is the fact that producing high-performing washable products takes a lot of manual labor. You know, that drives up the price, limits their audience and their attractiveness to the retailers. Some producers of single-use products can manufacture 1,000 units per minute through their automation. So you can imagine the challenges we had to overcome in trying to match this for reusable products. So overcoming these challenges and achieving automation for reusable products has been incredibly exciting and rewarding for me and my team at Confitex. So if I look at it from the consumer perspective, it's incredibly rewarding to know that our products are improving people's lives. Every day we get a feedback from consumers telling us that our products have restored their confidence and changed their lives. And so this is why I love working in the hygiene industry. Yeah, I got to imagine that, you know, especially on your what you just said, that creating a product that people use and improves their lives and allows them to live a, a full life and not have to worry about incontinence or leaks or anything like that has to be incredibly rewarding. But as you said, it comes with the challenges of not only making it functional, like a disposable product, but also cost-effective for the user and then cost-effective for the producer. And, you know, as you said, the, the challenge that everyone's facing is making sustainable products that are not only environmentally sustainable, but economically sustainable. And, and I think that's something that some consumers and, and people in general kind of forget sometimes is, yeah, I mean, everyone wants to go sustainable, but if companies have to be able to continue doing business and the way the market is right now, that's not always possible with some of the resources that people need to create these sustainable products. And so, yeah, it's always important to keep that in mind that sustainability side of things isn't just on the environmental side, it's on the business side. If, if you can't keep your business running, then that's not a sustainable business decision in a product. Absolutely. It has to, you know, we need to create products that can deliver the margins for the entire industry. It's also from the product availability to be available across all the supply chains that you can, you can see in disposable products needs to be available across manufacturers, third party distributors, retailers, and everybody needs to, needs to make a living. And, and at the same time, consumer needs to be able to afford, afford the product so that they can change toward the sustainability. Right now, inflation is one of the hottest topics and one of the biggest challenge of achieving something like that. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. It's, uh, I think I've said this, but I definitely don't envy people like you in your position or, or the other producers, whether they're reusable producers or traditional disposable hygiene product producers. It's a challenging market out there. And, and obviously that does trickle down to companies like Bostic that are supplying supplying producers, but it's, uh, yeah, for sure, it's a lot of pressure, a lot of stress on on producers, but as you said, a lot of rewards and upside as well. Yeah. And it's not impossible. <laughs> yes. Yeah, absolutely. It, absolutely. It does, come, it does come with incredible challenges. Yeah. Now, speaking of kind of traditional disposable absorbent hygiene products, I don't think anyone would argue, regardless of your stance on on their sustainability, that they have advantages in the market. And so I was hoping you could maybe remind our audience before we dive into discussing hybrid products, what some of those advantages are for traditional AHPs. And then after discussing the advantages, maybe share some of the challenges that, that people might forget about or overlook. Yeah, sounds good. Um, so 
like as everybody knows, traditional single-use products have been in the market for decades, right? And the major brands have long-standing history across all distribution channels. These include, you know, B2B supplier to brand or manufacturing, third-party distribution, direct-to-retailer using national or private brands, and direct-to-consumer online channel. But there is a good reason that uh, the traditional single-use products are in every channel. They are extremely successful at solving major pay points for the consumer. They're easy to use and easy to dispose of. They offer much lower upfront cost for the consumer and have been the accepted uh, consumer norm for decades. But as you say, you know, there are always pros, there are always cons and traditional single-use products, no exception. So their major challenge is the environmental impact, which is one of the hottest topics for today's eco-conscious consumer and the number one challenge single-use brands are trying to solve. But it's not that simple. As many consumers move towards uh, more sustainable options, brands are trying to respond to this by creating organic cotton liners, pads, and tampons. But unfortunately, most natural fibers do not perform as well as synthetic fibers currently used in single-use products. So this leads to consumer disenchantment with eco-products because many abandon these products and return to traditional options. Inflation is another major challenge for single-use products because the constant increases in costs for raw materials and also transport costs. So, and manufacturing is so complex that, as I said before, any minor changes in their product innovation can result in astronomical costs, which are then passed on as a price increase for the consumer. So this is challenging for brands, retailers, and consumers. But the main challenges I see to single-use products come from constantly changing regulations and the costs associated with those. And there's a good reason for that, but the EU is the regulatory leader, we think, usually is very closely followed by the US. And as the EU is preparing to prohibit or restrict the use of plastic-derived polymers in single-use products, poses an enormous challenge to single-use industry as it will affect their manufacturing and supply chain completely. But new innovations are on the horizon to overcome the regulation challenges, and I'm proud and excited to be part of that with a hybrid solution that has the potential to revolutionize the industry, I think. Yeah, and, and those touching on regulations, I think it's the next 10 years is going to be really, really interesting on, on the impact on the particularly the disposable side of the absorbent hygiene industry. You know, as you said, we're already seeing it in the EU states and there's certain states in the U.S. are enacting their own regulations. Um, right now, it's primarily with ingredients and content, but I think the kind of transition to disposal is is and regulations around disposal is, is inevitable. And, and we're seeing that in other countries as well. We've had guests from Africa say the same thing, guests from Latin America. So that's definitely changing in the next five to 10 years are going to be huge. And yeah, I think that'll just be a big challenge for the kind of traditional disposable hygiene industry. And and you're seeing that, as you said, with brands are investing in some of these more reusable products. And so, yeah, I think it's pretty obvious it's where the industry's heading. And, and you know, it's not the only pathway that people are looking at, but it's one of the big ones. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And, and you can see that it's also generational, I think. So like our generation is very more eco-conscious. Then the baby boomers, for example, I, I would say, like, I don't want to generalize and don't hold me to that, please. So, so yeah, I think it's a, a little bit generalization as well. So now that's why a lot of 
regulations are coming up and they will be transforming the industry quite significantly. For sure. And it's good, good and bad, you know, so on, uh, there are always, as I said, there are always pros and cons. Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, you know, regulations are important, but certainly seen examples in particularly in the absorbent hygiene market where regulations can sometimes outpace innovation. And then you end up in situations where the only kind of group being harmed, if you will, is the consumer because laws are put in place, products aren't there to meet those laws, and then there's just an absence in the market. So these types of things, you have to plan ahead. You know, you have to, it's not that the technology is not out there, it's that the technology has to be in place in the market where you're going to make these changes where it's, you need more gradual rollout as opposed to just a, hey, we're changing this tomorrow, but yeah, we're learning. People are learning. <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. And it's, it, it's timing, right? So, so like regulations are good because they, on one hand, they are changing the industry and, and we do need to, as a humankind, I believe we do need to change our behaviors, but at the same time, you need to allow a time for innovation, but the regulations do do drive innovation uh, quite significantly. So, so it's not a bad thing. For sure. There needs to be a certain time to be, to be able to respond. Yeah. It's a balance for sure. It's a balance. Now I kind of stumbled across Confitex, if you will, through the hygienics conference, we had a, an overview episode. You were a, a guest on that. So thank you for contributing. Thank you. But in your presentation at Hygienics, you used a term that made me pay attention, and that was the term, our industry is cross-dressing. And, and in the U.S., cross-dressing means one thing, and I don't think that's what you were going for. So I'm wondering if you can explain what you mean when you say that our, our industry is, is heading towards cross-dressing. And sounds good. Sounds good. <laughs> I actually used that word on purpose in my presentation at Hygienics. I have a fashion design and fashion history background. And as part of my final uh, thesis, I did a thesis on the history of cross-dressing. So, and my research focused mostly on ancient Rome and Greece, uh, when it was normal for men to wear tunic dresses. You know, and, and then the second part was uh, really on the early 20th century, when women started to wear uh, trousers and the society mm -hmm. was absolutely shocked, but they demanded more practicality in the everyday wear. So, I would say I understand the term very well, and I used it in my presentation to describe the current trends that are converging the market. Okay. <laughs> so on one hand, we have seen traditional single-use hygiene brands shifting towards reusable hygiene options, either by expanding into apparel themselves or acquiring absorbent apparel brands. Recently, we have seen SAP acquiring an 80% share in Nixware. And that's a brand that offers period and P-proof uh, absorbent products and other innovative undergarment solutions. And before that, we saw things uh, being acquired by Kimberly Clark. On the other hand, we have also seen more and more apparel, lingerie, and activewear brands, including the likes of Uniqlo, Victoria's Secret, adopting reusable sanitary technology in their products. So, and they are not stopping at sweatpants and period underwear. They are also beginning to offer uh, reusable liners and pads, or at least planning to. So this is what I was referring to when I used the term cross-dressing in my presentation. Hygiene brands are moving into apparel, and apparel brands are moving into hygiene, and these two trends are converging the market. Makes sense. Makes sense. And yeah, now, now that terminology 
I think is very fitting. <laughs> and then I guess you could say it as two definitions now. Yeah, answer that. <laughs> two different English trees and not suddenly they all kind of relate to a bear, kind of you bear either apparel or you bear sanitary products. And that's why I use the term cross-dressing. Absolutely. No, that makes sense. That makes sense. So when it comes to the, the reusable or hybrid product industry, uh, where does it stand in terms of, of market size and, and penetration? Cool. So I think today the growth of reusable market has been driven by direct-to-consumer online sales of period underwear. And that was followed by retail growth since kind of early 2021, I would say. But extending into kind of like third-party distribution channels can be much more challenging. And that's due to the higher manufacturing costs. Because manufacture of reusable products is labor-intensive, which means the product cost is high and very difficult to reduce. Because of that, I think reusables don't easily fit into traditional third-party distribution model where, you know, the margin is cut three ways between manufacturer, distributor, and retailer. This means that to date, the only financially viable business model for reusables has been the direct-to-consumer e-commerce channel. But, you know, the market is still in its infancy and it has, I believe it has an incredible potential for growth. And we believe our innovation in automated production technology will unlock that. Makes sense. Innovation is necessary to, to fulfill. You know, we need to be able to match the distribution channel the traditional disposables have by the reusable products as a complementary solution. And I think it can be done, but it comes with a lot of challenges. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you see a lot of brands in the hygiene industry, whether they're they're in, in kind of your sphere in the reusable products or in the more kind of traditional disposable products going that D to C route. But I keep seeing if you, these brands want to kind of get in front of as many consumers as possible, get as many consumers as possible to use the products. You've got to be, as you said, kind of part of that third party distribution channel, getting on store shelves, letting people see you. Cause despite the global power that is, brands like Amazon and Alibaba, there's still something to be said for being in brick and mortar stores as opposed to just online. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Now you mentioned some of the major brands. You mentioned some of the the acquisitions like Thinks by Kimberly Clark and Next by Essity and and some of the, as you said, the entry into the hygiene space by apparel brands. But I'm wondering if you could kind of maybe level set the, the audience a little bit on some of the well-known brands and market leaders for reusable products in, in our industry. So I'd say the SCT's recent acquisition of Nixware and Wadibody and Kimberly Clark's recent purchase of Things that positions these two companies as the market leaders by revenue in the reusable industry. SCT has also stated in their press release that they want to own the reusable category. So I would say the well-known reusable brands are SCT's uh, Libra, Intimaware, Nixware, and Modibody for periods, and Tena, Modibody, and Nixware for incontinence in the reusable space. Then Kimberly Clark's Thinks and Thinks by Cotex for periods, Poise for board periods and incontinence, and Speaks by Thinks for incontinence. So they, I would say they will be the market leaders, but then other well-known period underwear brands, we could uh, mention, I think, Item, Haynes, Pink by Victoria's Secret, Dim, Flux, Lola, Proof, Marks and Spencer's reusable underwear, Lidl's uh, Esmara, and our own 
uh, just in case by Confitex. And for incontinence, I think it's worth mentioning Protect Dry, Connie, wherever, and are on just in case by Confitex and Confitex for men. It's a relatively niche market, but it's it's not small. There's a lot of competition, uh, and that just seems to be growing with more entrance and investment by larger players. And I think it's it's one aspect of sustainability the market's definitely focusing on and and moving towards is is reusable reusable hygiene products. And and so clearly, I think you would say that there is growth potential there. There's a lot of growth potential, and and that continues to grow, but. I think you could probably argue it isn't taking off as much as some people might like to see or or expect. Certainly, maybe you might like to see. And so I'm curious, what are the challenges that are maybe slowing that growth? Absolutely. So, you know, in its media release announcing the acquisition of Nixware and Modibody, SED predicted about 20% year-on-year growth in the reusable market. And earlier last year, things quoted uh, Nielsen's IQ's market growth estimate of about uh, 30% year on year. Whilst the reusable market is predicted to grow quickly, as it is an emerging category, there are many challenges to overcome still. So I think let's discuss the major three. I like to call them the triple P challenges, and they are price, performance, and practicality. Now, price is the number one challenge faced by reusable category as I mentioned, because of the high manufacturing costs that are caused by many labor-intensive manual production steps required to create reusable products, the high cost of raw materials needed to achieve adequate performance, and constantly increasing costs across the supply chain, including transport. So over the past couple of years, the period underwear market has experienced a race to the bottom in terms of pricing. And that has been driven by retailers demanding higher margins and consumers seeking lower prices. And at the early stages in 2014 to 2016, uh, 2016, we could see average prices of around 33 US dollars per pair of period underwear. But in 2022, pricing had been lowered to an average of about 15 to 18 US dollars per pair. So in the high upfront investment needed to buy reusable absorbent underwear can be an issue for consumers. So we need to find a way to keep the retail price affordable and reduce manufacturing costs so that we can deliver healthy margins for the whole supply chain. But as I mentioned before, manufacturing high-performing reusable products requires labor-intensive manual processes. So, and because of that, many brands compromise on performance to achieve low pricing. That's why the issue of performance is the second major challenge facing reusables. Many manufacturers want to prove their products with PU membrane, which is standard available in the market, but that membrane can't be easily heat bonded without melting and le- leaking. So instead, they stitch through the gusset seams, which perforates the leak proof bar- barrier, and that leads almost instant leaks, and that is the number one consumer fear. Many brands also use cheaper and lower-performing materials, leading to much lower moisture retention or higher rewet. And reusable products are more challenged than single-use products when it comes to anti-gravitational absorption. So when only a, like a small portion of the gusset can absorb moisture, brands are forced to rely on the increased absorbency layers so that makes their products 
a bit thicker or overly thick and uncomfortable. And another issue is a moisture transfer between the inner gasset and the outer textile because it increases uh, manual production steps to to put a barriers between those two fabrics. Uh, brands compromise on the necessary leak-proof barrier, so the moisture will transfer from the inner one to the outer and, and transfer around, and then it will leak. It will transfer to your outer clothing. So overall, I would say these cost-cutting measures contribute to low product performance and consumer dissatisfaction. And that creates distrust in the category and increases waste. Because if you buy a product that doesn't perform, what do you do? You do dispose of it. And practicality is the third big challenge facing a reusable market, we think. Firstly, reusable products are not yet as widely available as single-use products. So they are less convenient to purchase, right? They also require a higher initial outlay, which puts them out of uh, many consumers' price range. Secondly, some consumers worry that they may be unhygienic and inconvenient when it comes to laundry because low-performing products that don't absorb and retain well, they can get messy. And another major issue is drying time. Many brands cannot be tumble dried because they contain heat-sensitive materials. Instead, uh, the consumers are told to dry their underwear outside, but this can take a lot, very long time and can be especially inconvenient in the winter months and in places where people live densely, which is most of the urban areas. And lastly, low-performing products require frequent changes throughout the day, which creates issues around changing underwear on the go. But I believe we can meet all these challenges and create new sustainable future for the industry by fusing the best elements of reusable and single-use technologies we can create hybrid product solutions that solve all the consumer and the retailer concerns uh, and creates an economically and environmentally sustainable future. So there you have it. You now have a nice overview of the reusable absorbent hygiene market, along with some of the benefits and shortcomings of reusable products. On our next episode, we'll continue our conversation with Frantisek as he shares what improvements can be made to reusable products to help them overcome some of the challenges they are currently facing. Attached to Hygiene is brought to you by Bostic and is hosted by me, Jack Hughes. It is produced and edited by me with the help of Liz Bruner and Paul Andrews at Bostic and Michelle Tonkovitz, Emery Chernis, and Nikki Ackerman at Green Onion Creative. Post-production for Attached to Hygiene is done by Podcast Boutique. Our theme music is by Jonathan Boyle. We'd like to extend a special thank you to our guest today, Frantisek Ria Scott. You can follow Frantisek on LinkedIn, and you can learn more about Confitex on their website at confitex.com. Thank you for listening, and we'll see you next time.